um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that Maddie and I learned while we were out on our honeymoon, not anything like, well, this is what marriage is like. That's not what I'm talking about because Maddie and I have been married for two weeks now, so we have a plethora of knowledge about what marriage is like, obviously. No. But uh, we went out to the, uh, we went out to the, uh, the Creation Museum and the Ark out in, uh, out in Kentucky. And it was incredible, especially the Creation Museum was good, but especially the Ark, it puts some stuff into perspective about that story, which we know is true, but still the story from the Bible, that I think we might just preach a sermon on. And even if you're like, well, I already knew all that stuff, good. It's an important reminder to know that God can destroy the earth. He did. He's going to again, not by water, this time by fire. Read through Revelation, it's fire, because he said he'd never do it by water again, so he went the opposite. But also God's provision, and that he's got a plan. So we're going to talk about that, not today, but you can be looking forward uh, to that in the coming weeks uh, and such. Today, we're going to talk about something else. Uh, I, on Wednesday, I was in the office, and, and I still didn't have a sermon. I, I just... Sometimes you get a blockage, and you're going, God, what am I supposed to preach on this week? What do you want from me? And Jessica, who is more than one title at the school, so I'm not going to um, insult her by using only one. She does a lot of stuff. Came in the office, and she was talking to me for a minute, and she goes, so what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to come up with a sermon. And she goes, well... When you can't come up with one, what do you usually do? And I said, I pay attention. And she goes, what do you mean by that? And I said, I pay attention to what people say. I pay attention to what I hear on the news. I pay attention to the songs that I hear come on the radio. I pay attention to my devotional. I start just paying attention to things because God has a way of just showing you. So she goes, okay, so what are you doing now? And I said, well, right now I'm bringing up Bible Gateway because I need to have scripture. And so when I type the scripture into the PowerPoint, I use it off of Bible Gateway. And if you don't know about Bible Gateway, on their homepage, they always have a verse of the day. And their verse of the day, it, it was not this passage. But it reminded me of this passage. And God went, there you go. And I went, now God, hold on a second, pause. Because I preached out of this passage like six months ago. And he goes, it's okay. Go for it. And I went, okay. So so if you're sitting there and you go, I'm pretty sure I heard him do this message once. You're wrong. I used this passage of scripture once. That's where you get around that. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 16. And, and it, 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 if you don't know this passage of scripture, this is the passage of scripture in which God is like, who do people say that I am? And everyone's like, well, you're this and that. Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks upright and he's like, you're the Christ. And he's like, yeah. You're good on the you know on this on this rock. I'm going to build my church. And then two verses later, Peter's like, "No, you're not going to die. Stop saying that, Jesus." And Jesus is like, "Get thee behind me, Satan." And 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 this passage resonates with me because I feel like Peter every day in this moment. And I think I'm going to step out on a limb. I think you do too, if you're honest with yourselves. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 23. 
It reads, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, of, excuse me, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. I said, I often feel like Peter. There's more than one reason for that. Peter was impulsive. Peter had anger issues. When Peter cut off that guard's ear, I would bet all the money I have ever seen in the world, he was not aiming for the ear. He was just angry and missed. He wasn't a swordsman. He was a fisherman. And here we see the two sides of Peter, or Simon as he's, told, as he's named early, and then Christ changes his name to Peter. God's in the business of changing names, in case you didn't know. Read throughout scripture, and he does it a lot. He doesn't do it as much now. In fact, I would say he probably doesn't do it at all now. Probably. I won't say he won't. I have no proof that he 100% doesn't. But the reason for that is that back then, especially, names meant something. You didn't name your child immediately, right? Like, so my, my, uh, my best friend and his wife are pregnant. They just started the second trimester and stuff like that. And they're talking about names and what are they going to name their kid. That didn't happen back then. Back then, what happened was you had your child. They would be around for a good amount of time, not a year, but in that time frame. And then you would name your child based upon the personality that they showed. So when God changes somebody's name, he's changing who they are. That's not true really anymore. Now, my name, mean, my name is Samuel, right? It means gift or sent from God. So you're welcome. I'm your gift. No. But, but it doesn't really mean anything in today's vernacular, in today's world. If I changed my name to Jedediah, you'd think it weird, but I'd still be who I am. But back then, you're right, Saul to Paul, and now Simon to Peter, and stuff like that. A name change meant something. Peter means the rock. That's why he gets that name. That's your beginning. So number one on your, on your note sheet there is world versus Christian. The world versus Christian. What's the first question he asks him? Now here's the thing, right? They did a lot of walking. And the same thing of when Maddie and I were in the car and we asked questions, Jesus would ask questions of his disciples. We find that in scripture a lot. And here he is and he goes, 
Who does the world say that I am? And they answer. We, we don't see who it is. They probably, you know, a bunch of them probably spoke up. Oh, well, well, it's John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The world saw that Jesus was more special than the average human, but they did not see him for who he was either. And it's important for the disciples, and it's important for us to understand that the world does not see Christ for who he is. The world will not see Christ for who he is for a long time. One day they'll see him for who he is, and it'll be too late. But it's important for us to understand that the world doesn't see Christ for who he is. They miss the point. Don't get upset when the world misses the point. They're going to. It's our job to answer the next question correctly, though. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And everyone's kind of quiet. Picture them, right? They're walking down the road. And Jesus goes, who do you say that I am? And nobody really wants to answer because nobody wants to have the wrong answer. Right? Think back to your days when you're in school. And the teacher asks a question and nobody raises their hand because nobody wants to give the wrong answer and be laughed at by everybody else. Enter Peter. Simon at this point. Probably doesn't even raise his hand. He's the kid in class that doesn't raise his hand. Teacher asks a question and he just answers it. I was that kid. Verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Can you imagine what that would have done to the other disciples? The shock? I mean, they've all been thinking it. But now somebody has come out and said it. What's Jesus going to do? Peter, come on, man. Why, why you got to make us look bad? But Jesus answers him, blessed or blessed, right, are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. One thing I want to point out that it's kind of reading between the lines. You've got to read the story as well. Not just the actual verses, but the story that's in there as well. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have a worldly view. What do I mean by that? So, there's two worldviews. I'm going to boil it down fairly broad, right? There's two worldviews for a Christian. There's a Christian worldview, which means that, and your worldview is the lens through which you see the world, right? If I take my glasses off, most of you are now blurry. You're not. You're close enough that you're not. Most of you have a blurry tinge around you now. Put them back on. Everybody's clear, except for you guys back there because the sun's shining through that window. But things get clearer to me when I put my glasses on. That's why I need them. It's okay. When I have my glasses off, this is my worldly view. Things aren't as clear as they should be. I miss stuff. If I take my glasses off when I'm doing anything, stuff just gets missed. It's the nature of it. When I put my glasses on, things become clear and I can see. See, the thing is, when you have a Christian worldview, this book is your glasses. And everything you see gets filtered through this. Everything you hear, everything you read, everything you encounter, every situation, it gets filtered through this book. 
it gets filtered through God and things become clearer. Just because you have Christ in your heart, you accept him as your Lord and Savior, does not mean you are filtering everything through this book. That takes consistent effort. That takes consistent work. Because I'm here to tell you that some of those disciples, if he had asked them, who do you say that I am, and they were forced to answer, would have answered, you're Jeremiah, you're John the Baptist, you're one of the prophets, you're Elijah. Because they were still missing the point. And we today, we miss the point a lot. So do I. It's okay. We just have to recognize that we do. And there are times when I don't filter everything through this book. And it changes my worldview in a way that it shouldn't be changed. That's why it's so important that we're reading this book. That we're praising God. That we're praying to him. That we spend time with him so that it becomes more second nature. So that's the first part, right? And Peter's like, yeah, Peter's riding high. Everything that's set loose in on earth will be set loose in heaven. Everything I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm the top dog besides Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. I'm in verse 21. And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. He's telling them what's supposed to happen. And Peter, in his infinite wisdom, pulls Jesus aside and he goes, hey, Jesus, come on now. You're scaring the other ones. I know you're speaking metaphorically. It's not going to happen to you. But you're scaring the other 11. Come on, don't talk like that anymore. It's not going to happen to you. God forbid it. And Jesus goes, now I know this in the King James, right? Get thee behind me, Satan. What a slap in the face. Peter, you're the rock on which I'll build my church. You're Satan. What? Talk about going from a spiritual high to a spiritual low. Number one was the world versus Christians. Number two on your note sheet there. Where have you set your mind? Where have you set your mind? Verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, and that's Jesus, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. I always struggled with that. You're a stumbling block to me. How would Jesus have a stumbling block? He's Jesus. He was also man. This is not a rhetorical question. I would like an answer from the audience. Did Jesus want to die? No, he did not. Did Jesus ask God for any way besides death to do what he had to do? Yes, he did. Was there another way? No, there was not. Jesus, I'm guessing from the time he could actually think and, and stuff like that, so not as a three-year-old, but you know, five, six, seven, you know, he knows. He knows this path that he's on. He knows where he's going. So for 25 years, we're assuming he dies around the age of 33, right? So for 25 years or so, he has to walk around with knowing he's going to die. The worst possible death you can die. You don't think that tripped him up sometimes? Not into sin. Don't misunderstand me. But you don't think there were times when everyone else was asleep and he was laying there in, 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 his, in his bed or whatever and he's begging God? And he's just talking to him. And he's going, God, why do I have to do this? Picture a 10-year-old lying in bed knowing they have to die. That's not fair to them. 
12 years old when he's reading the scroll of Isaiah in the temple. He knows he has to die. Those intermediate years when we don't know much about what happens, he knows he has to die. For three years as he walks around with his best friends, he knows he has to die. Satan uses Peter's arrogance, Peter's pride, and Peter's lack of wisdom to try to put a stumbling block in front of the man who would defeat him ultimately. You don't think Satan knew that if Jesus dies, he's lost? There was a stumbling block. Peter was a stumbling block to Jesus. Now, Jesus hiked up his robes and stepped right over that block, but it was a stumbling block to him. Here's something I want to tell you. You can be a great Christian in terms of what we would consider a great Christian, right? You read your Bible, you go to church, you're a good person, you put your money in the offering plate, you do all this stuff. You can be a great Christian in the eyes of God and still be a stumbling block to somebody around you. What do I mean by that? I was actually having this conversation with Nathan in the car. We had to go up to Parable for something. Mom and Nathan and I, I forget what we were getting. But we were talking about stuff on the way back and just that some things that are okay for me to watch or listen to or view are not okay for him. And there are some things that it's okay for him that are not okay for me. I know myself. I do not watch Super Bowl halftime shows. It's lewd. It's crude. I don't want to watch it. I don't need to watch it. I don't need that in my life. There's enough of that out there in the world that I can't avoid, that if I can avoid it, I should. Some people, it's okay for them to watch. I mean, I, this last year's Super Bowl show was horrendous. Sorry if you really like Shakira and J-Lo. It was not good. For some people, it's okay for them to watch it. For me, it's not, so I can't watch it. Take it to a different thing, right? I enjoy... I'm going to call them violent video games. I love Call of Duty. I like uh, Lord of the Rings games where you use a sword and kill orcs and stuff like that. I'm like, this is the greatest. It's fun. I'm not an exceedingly violent person. There are people who can't play those games. There are people who can't watch certain movies or listen to certain songs. And you can be being a good Christian for yourself and put on that movie, and you're a stumbling block for them. And you don't think anything of it. And I don't think anything of it, but you're a stumbling block for them. Maddie and I have talked a lot about, you know, because we do want to have kids one day in a little bit. Please, no one ask, when are you pregnant? She's not. Cross fingers. But she's like, are you going to play all the games that you play when we have kids? And I said, no, I'm not. She goes, but you enjoy them. And I said, yes. But my eight-year-old son does not need to see me killing people, even if it's just a video game. Madden, that's fine. MLB The Show, that's fine. They don't need to see me shooting Nazis. They just don't. You can be a stumbling block and not even realize it. Now, I'm not here to tell you that means that you can't do anything, right? I'm not here to tell you that that means that you should just hold yourself up in a house and never do anything. Or if somebody says, well, I don't like that, you shouldn't do it. There's a difference between I don't like that and it's a stumbling block for me. I don't like um, 
uh, is a white Christmas, the old one. I don't like that movie. It's boring. Sorry if you love that movie. Nathan thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. It's not a stumbling block for me. I just don't want to watch it. There's a difference there. So you know what? Every Christmas, you know what movie is on at least 17 billion times? White Christmas, because it's on Netflix. And we sit there and we watch White Christmas. And it's good. It's fine. Maddie also loves it. Whatever. We'll watch White Christmas. I'll give you another example real quick. Maddie and I right now, she loves The Office. She thinks it's one of the greatest shows. I'm here to tell you The Office is one of the worst shows I have ever seen. We're halfway through season six because it's on Netflix. Maddie thinks it's great. I don't. You know what we watch four or five nights a week? The Office. And it's all right because she loves it. And so that makes me happy. And we compromise. We watch a couple episodes of The Office, and then now I put on the Phillies game. We compromise, and it's fine. But The Office is not a stumbling block for me. But you know what? If she went out and put on, I don't, can't even think of a movie that's, a movie that has nudity in it. Pick your favorite. I, I can't think of one right now that, that comes to mind, which is probably a good thing. That would be a stumbling block. We should not watch that. Game of Thrones. We don't watch Game of Thrones. We should not watch it. I know it's not a movie. It's a TV series, but it works. And if she put that on, it would be a stumbling block. The Office isn't. I just don't like it. So we watch it. There's a difference there. Recognize, the recognize in yourself what are your stumbling blocks and avoid them. I didn't watch politics for years. I love politics. Everybody in my high school was like, he could be a good politician. They're wrong. I get too angry. But I can debate. I can do it all. I love politics. I didn't look at politics for years because all it did was make me angry. It was a stumbling block for me. I kind of have to a little bit now because I have to know what's going on in the world. But there are times when I'm scrolling through Twitter and I just put my phone down and Maddie's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, the idiots on Twitter are at it again. Know your stumbling blocks and avoid them. And Jesus knows, I think personally, I can't prove this, not a hill I'm going to die on or anything like that. But personally, I think this was his biggest stumbling block, was his death that was coming. For you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Take that back to just a couple verses earlier when it's like, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Peter had his mind set on God's plans. And then he didn't. And you know what? A little bit later, he's going to. And then he's not going to. And then he's going to. And then he's not going to. Probably all in the same day. Welcome to life as a human. So I ask you, where are you setting your mind? Because things change, it changes quickly. And recognize that you're not perfect. There are times your mind's not going to be set on God. Recognize it. Ask forgiveness and set your mind back on it. Because here's the thing. It is your choice where you put your mind. God does not force you. It is your choice where you put your thoughts. It is your choice where you put your mind. It is your choice where you put your faith. I was talking to my friend Drucker, my best friend. He's the one that uh, he and his wife are pregnant just yesterday. And we were talking about the fact that I don't hold it against somebody. And he doesn't either. We, this is why we're talking about it. We don't hold it against somebody who's in the thick of a storm, and it's their first storm, and they're questioning God. 
I don't, I don't feel, I not feel bad. I don't, I don't crush that person. Now, if you've been through multiple storms and many, many storms, and you've seen God pull you through every single one of them, and the storm comes, and you're going, oh, no, God, if, if it's your first time on the boat, I expect you to get a little bit upset. If it's your two billionth time on the boat, you should be the one in the back going, oh, what's God going to do this time? We've set the sails down. We've did everything we need to do to make sure the boat doesn't capsize that we can do. What's God going to do now? But recognize that you're going to be both of those people at various times, probably in the same day, probably for the same circumstance. It's okay. Readjust. Reset your mind on the right thing. The key is to know yourself. Peter didn't know himself yet. He learns. And we see him grow throughout the rest of Scripture and in Acts and stuff. We see him learn who he is. Know yourself. Jesus does. He knows who you are, so it's okay. I know, I won't say all, because in 10 years, 5 years, tonight, tomorrow, who knows, I might discover another stumbling block. But I know my big ones. And I do my best to avoid them. And I thank God I have a godly wife who wants to help me avoid them. And I want to help her avoid hers. I also know my strengths. Because you see, Peter's impulsiveness when it's bad is boldness in the right place. Like outside the temple when it's him and John and Acts and he tells that person, I don't have money for you, get up and walk. That's impulsiveness or boldness. Know yourself so that you're not a stumbling block. You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. That's okay. Make sure you're winning more than you lose. And make sure that when you lose one, you don't look at that loss and go, nothing to learn from that. Make sure you're learning from those losses so that you have more wins. One day I'm going to get to heaven. And I'd much rather hear him say something along the lines of, wow, you're the rock, than wow, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to everyone around you. I hope I haven't been a stumbling block. I know I have been in the past to people because I'm not perfect. I know I will be in the future to people because I'm not perfect. I know you will be too. Let's have fun together and make sure we're winning these battles. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our ability to know ourselves. You give us this ability to know ourselves. Father, I pray that you would help us to win more than we lose. Yes, we have to be the ones that set our minds, but I pray that you would help us to realize when our minds aren't set on the right thing and then help us, steer us, guide us into the right thing, into the right path. Put people in our lives who help us, not make us stumble, but help us to see because we all have blind spots. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen and amen.